What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Mind Your Marketing Podcast. Today, I'm sitting with Blake Gidry. He is a content creator at Morning Brew, and we get into all things short-form content, best practices, where he's seeing the trends going. He lives and breathes that world, uh, and it was really, really awesome to have him on to talk about you know, where the world is going content-wise, what creators can do, what brands can do. We get into a lot about that world and where it's headed. But before we get into it, this show is brought to you by High Class, and that is H-Y-C-L-A-S-S dot co. You can go over to highclass.co, take courses that will help you start your small business. So head over to highclass.co, sign up for a course or join their free newsletter today. All right, now let's sit back, relax, and get into this episode. What's up, my beautiful marketing people? Welcome to another episode of the show. Today, joining me is Blake Kidry. He is a creator at Morning Brew. Blake, how you doing? I'm good, man. How are you? I am good. I'm excited to have you on. We had a good little chat there before we hit record about all things uh, short form content, which I know we're going to get into. But before we dive into that, I want to let you kind of set the foundation for this discussion. Give us, you know, your story with how you got into this crazy world of, you know, marketing, content creation, et cetera. Yeah. Or the floor is yours. <laughs> yeah. No, I'll give you the quick and dirty. Basically, I, you know, I got lucky and I found my passion in like high school video. It was like, as soon as you kind of know a direction in your life, your life turns from black and white to color. As soon as I had took like a video class in high school, it was like a TV show class. It was like, boom, this just makes sense. Like music and visuals and just change, messing with people's emotions a bit, I guess you could say, was like, this is my route. So I did that. I'm the YouTube generation. So we grew up watching like Ray William Johnson and all the, you know, Bo Burnham's early skits, all that kind of area era of YouTube. And so YouTube was like our, you know, we looked at those people like Brad Pitt. Like that was our celebrities with the YouTubers and stuff. YouTube generation did that. Went to university, normal college for two years, hated it. And I was like, I can't just sit in the lecture halls, dropped out and went to film school actually and studied cinematography, got a degree in cinematography, did that around Nashville, film, music videos, things like that. Back in college, I actually worked with a company called Spoon University as an internship and I was doing Snapchat content. So it was like the best of both worlds, making awesome content on social. <laughs> it was the peak of my my life at that point. Did freelance film videography in Nashville, had a buddy that was at a startup, marketing startup that wanted to start a video and social division. I knew the area pretty well, invited me in, took that because knowing where your paycheck came from was was nice. Having an actual salary benefits from the freelance world um, was amazing. I wanted the experience, did that, met some connections, then met Vincenzo Landino and Amy Landino when they had Aftermark. Went over there and our clients were Fortune 500 enterprise software clients, SAP, Oracle, Salesforce, all the Adobe, all those kind of people. Did that for five years and basically took me around the world in the middle of my 20s, which was amazing. Getting to travel the world on a client's dime. <laughs> you know, I went backpacking Europe, but I was getting incredible life, you know, uh, experience at the time. Did that and then through all that was helping Amy. She's a YouTuber. She's got 400,000. We flew around the United States. She had podcasts. I was meeting all the big YouTubers she was interviewing, seeing behind the scenes. So it kind of connected my past of love of YouTube. And all these years, I'm always watching Casey and I'm watching, you know, Marquez and I get to meet Marquez. It was amazing. And so I was like, you know what? Like, this is what I, I want to be in front of the camera. I was in behind the camera, held the camera, you name it. 
And I was like, you know what? I want to do this. And so I kind of stepped out, started making videos and all of that experience over the last decade plus kind of gave me the ability to make great videos in, in like 60 seconds because short form is so hot right now. I was like, you know what? I'm going to go all in in short form for the next 12, 18 months. And doing that morning brew actually found me and they were like, hey, we love your stuff. You can tell a story in 60 seconds. You're educational. You entertain us. We want you. And I was like, man, this is a crazy opportunity with Morning Brew, who's got 4.3 million email subscribers, which is like unheard of. It's just massive. So seeing the opportunity they were building and what we're building now of building more creators, building our own little universe inside Morning Brew, it's kind of hard to pass up. And so that's where we're at today. It's amazing, man. It's so cool to hear too, right? Like you cut your teeth put time in learning that, Hey, I need to, how to edit the video, how to film the video. I'll do all these things. And then yeah. just, you know, like getting the rub, right? Like being around those other YouTubers seeing like, Oh, that's how they carry themselves. Oh, that's, Oh, that's a little lighting trick. Oh, that's interesting how they probably like, Hey, cut that. We need a better hook or whatever. And then right. when it's time to turn that camera around and point it at yourself, it's like, all right, young samurai, like you have been, you've prepared for this moment, right? <laughs> like, um, yeah. That's exactly it. I mean, getting like, we had met with Austin Evans and he brought up a spreadsheet where they, they have like six thumbnails they're ready to publish within an hour. If they know a video is not gonna be good. Like all those little things that you pick up, you're like, oh man, like how to make a good thumbnail, like oversaturate it with color because the eye, you're looking at a small little screen, all these little things that you just, you're going to learn on the way. But I learned before even starting the, the journey kind of thing. I had it all in a notebook. I kept the notes and it was amazing just to learn from, like you said, the masters of it and then have a, you know, your three steps, 10 steps ahead of anybody else just putting up on a video on YouTube. Now that first time you flipped the camera around and you're like, okay, I'm going to do this. Walk me through that. Were you like confident? Were you shitting yourself? Like what was like, where was the mind that day? Cause I'm always like, I think it's one of the hardest things to do that first time and like to, and then to hit publish, maybe not record, but then hitting publish. But like, walk me through that day. Were you like, this is happening? Like, was it Rocky playing in the background or was it just another day at the office? It was a little bit of both. I mean, I would say like going through film school, you still, you have to like take film, like um, acting classes. So I kind of had a background, like I've never really acted, but putting yourself out there in that sense. The scariest thing wasn't recording it. I feel very confident. I feel very like, oh, I'll go over the top. Like no one can be in my house when I'm recording, you know, like no one can be around. I'm, it's just me and just let me do my thing. Let me like almost go into character kind of thing. But the scary one was like pressing publish. It wasn't the imposter syndrome so much. It was like, oh, what if my family sees this? Like, what is my brother's going to, what's my parents going to say? Like that, I don't know why. And like, they're super supportive and everything like that. But that's just the thoughts I had or high school friends who I hadn't talked to in eight years. I was like bringing this like baggage up in my head. I was like, man, what if they see this? What's going to happen? So it wasn't even the recording that was, I was scary about. I love the recording. It was fun. You get to just kind of go over the top when you be who you want to be on camera a little bit, you know, still being authentic, but that's what the publishing was. So it was frightening. It was so scary. Man, it's you're spot on and it's it's so true, right? You get that feeling of like, I'm right there with you. Like, oh man, some guy from high school might think I'm a loser or something, right? And then, <laughs> but then you hit publish and for anyone listening right now, right? Who has had those fears, it's like you hit publish and honestly, the exact opposite of your fears happens. Like, I feel like everyone's like, that's awesome. Sick. How do I share it? Like, cool. And like, oh, everyone is very like overwhelmingly supportive. I didn't expect that. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah. It kind of makes it easier, right? That, that's exactly what happened. You get so lost in your little world that I was like nitpicking every little thing. And then when I put the video out, 
no one's making this. You know, it's the same thing when you watch a master chef do it. You're like, oh man, like that's incredible. And it could just be an average dish to them. But to us, it is like, oh, this is awful. But to the other person, this is the most amazing thing they've ever seen. Or like, they can't fathom how you made it because they just don't, they don't live in your world. But so we get a little lost in it. So when you do publish and you get that feedback, you're like, oh, right. Like I do have a skill here. It's almost like solidifies your feeling of, oh, I I know I I belong here. Yeah. It's like that thing, right? Where I, I always find like, it's easy to compare yourself to like Adobe or maybe like a Verizon commercial you worked on or something. And it's like, okay, yeah. I need to like reel it back in here. I'm a team of one shooting on my little camera. I got my mic set up over here and like one light. Like I only have two arms. Like, let's see what can I actually get out. Right. Um, yeah. So I, I like that. The other thing you said, which is really interesting about like going into character almost. I tell people, I'd like to see if you agree. I always say, be you plus 10%. Yes. Like, and have you found that you kind of have to put on that, like, all right, I'm in filming mode now? A thousand percent. I, I mean, and we can get deeper in this, but like, I've got some predictions for like the creator world, the creator economy, quote unquote, kind of thing of what we're going to see. But putting that extra level of character, like you say 110, I, I almost feel like it's got to be 150. Like, it's like mm. some days, like today was a rainy Friday here in Nashville. I wasn't recording anything. Like, it almost is a, you're like an actor. You've got to be in the right state of mind to, give a performance to entertain because you sitting here, us sitting here just talking is great in the conversation and what they're listening to. But if I were to record this, there's nothing that's really entertaining. It's pretty flat on camera. Like the camera, like the whole saying is like, oh, it puts 10 pounds on. Well, it takes off like 20% of expression. So you have to give that much more for the camera to recept that, that, you know, uh, expression you have. Like I look at daily vloggers and I'm amazed by people who can like entertain or Emma Chamberlain, who you can entertain their entire existence in a frame sitting in their car. It takes so much energy to do that. Yeah. It's actually a a valid point you bring up there too, because like I'm a big believer in, you know, batch creating content. But then Mm -hmm. I also, to that point, I've also had like my editor, I tried, I did like 15 short videos in one day or whatever. And like by the 10th one, she pinged me back. She's like everything from 10 to 15, we can't publish like you're flat. And I'm like, all right, respect. Like you're absolutely (laughs) correct. I don't look like I want to be there. I'm like sweating from the light. And it's like, oh, having the energy and like latching onto that moment is so important. I feel like when you create. Now, I do want to shift a little bit. I'm very interested to hear like, what are your predictions as we get into this like creator economy, short form content? I feel like there's a lot of noise right now. And everyone's like the gold rush for an audience. And there's, you know, YouTube shorts, reels, TikToks. You're in this. You're in the trenches of the the short form world. Like, what are some things you're noticing or where do you see you know, the content creation going from a creator perspective and or brand? I mean, I see it. I'll speak from the creator side for right now. I see the short form right now is so you're not building deep, deep audiences. You are building wide audiences, but the depth is just not there. And it's proving over and over at TikTok, the conversion rate's just not there. When you watch it, Yes, you get the full screen. Like we always talk about like, oh, you got the full screen attention of somebody. All of a sudden they flip to the next person and you're gone. When you watch YouTube, you have a 10, 15 minute video. You're living inside that person's universe and their universe kind of, their world starts becoming yours. When you just watch them, you're just flying by. And it's like, we watch the couples and stuff who start getting big followings because they're very authentic and things like that. But for the generic user or a generic creator who's just trying to follow trends, you're not developing anything. You're not going to be around in 10 years. Like you're not Mm -hmm. developing the depth of audience. People don't care about you the same way than you sitting on a screen for 15 minutes watching them. It's really like, you know, we've been around long enough to see like 
the vanity metrics are taking over again, I feel like, where, yes. oh, my views are up, my views are up, look at all my views, like my followers or whatever. And I'm like, we talked about it a little off air, but I say this to anyone who's like trends and just following trends, I call it like diet content. It doesn't have the calories. Like I want to know, I want to build connection. I want to be able to do that in a way where you, like you said, you invite people into the world. Now I think short form is a great way to maybe get eyeballs. You know, maybe some of that audience then can go into the longer form content, particularly on YouTube. But it's so interesting on that idea of TikTok. Like there's so many things. The user gets, we all have been there. He gets sucked into TikTok for 25 minutes, 30 minutes, whatever. <laughs> I don't feel good about myself when I catch myself and I close the app. Like the end no. of the user experience, I'm actually kind of mad at myself for letting it suck me in. I don't know if that's like a widespread feeling, but I don't think that's a good thing for the those platforms long term. Like I feel like shit after I get like sucked into a bunch of videos. And I'm like, I don't even know what I watched. Where on YouTube, I think, well, one, do you have that feeling or are you like, I, I'm very curious if I'm alone on that one or not. Absolutely. And it's, I saw somebody tweet this, so I'm not going to take credit for this, but they said it's about Twitter. And I feel the same way about TikTok or Reels. It's like you used to app the way you like close your refrigerator and open it back up, <laughs> expecting there to be something <laughs> else. You just kind of like close it and open it. And I was like, that's really funny. Uh, you know, it, because it gets, it's going to serve you, except it is different from your fridge because there is something new. And so, right. like you said, you watched 25 minutes, you probably watched, I don't know, let's call it, a hundred people, you you got into a hundred people's different content or lives. You don't care about any of those people, <laughs> but yeah, yeah. So you, and then you exit, and it doesn't feel like you had a human connection for the most part, unless there's some three parts, you know, video that you watch and you went to their their profile and watched all three. You still don't feel like you really touched that person as as a human, as a person. It's wild, and it brings me to the next thing I want to talk about, which is like audience contract. You know, as the creator and brands out there as creator, and then you also, all of us as consumers. I think there's a healthier contract in place with YouTube and like blog content, for instance, where I have a query, I put it in, or I see on YouTube on my homepage and I read the title and I click what I want to watch versus you open TikTok and that app is screaming at you within a second and it's like you're automatically <laughs> in the video and there's no contract, right? I'm, I don't even, I'm not deciding what to watch, nothing. Yeah, I always lean or I'm now not always, but as of late, I've been like leaning a lot more towards like spending more time on the in YouTube because I think mm -hmm. it's a little bit healthier of a consumer to creator relationship. But I'd love to get your thoughts on, you know, these platforms and or if YouTube shorts kind of falls into the same world as that or if you think that it kind of ties into something larger. I'd love to hear that. Yeah. So what I can tell you from the data side that I've seen and other back end analytics YouTube's got a problem right now. YouTube Shorts is almost a different platform inside a platform. The way it interacts. So what we found is less than 5% bleed over into long form content. Now, if you put a hour long podcast, they're more likely to go watch your short that's on your channel versus people who subscribe to you just for your shorts to go and watch your hour long podcast. So the bleed over is super little, super small. And so you might have 500,000 subscribers on YouTube, 200, 300 could just be short subscribers. Like there's two different audiences on YouTube. So I think YouTube has a massive problem and they're trying to figure it out. I put no blame on them. I understand it's tough because they had to follow the shorts. Short content is just so hot, like we keep talking about. But the problem is the audience is not getting that contract like you're talking about. They're a totally different, when they go on YouTube, they watch timeline feed, whatever it is, versus clicking on a video. Right, it's very much emulating that kind of like TikTok experience, right? Exactly, exactly. Now, it's it's fascinating too to see like consumer behavior and like our obsession with clips 
versus watching like long form like uh andrew schultz came out and he the comedian he's like he's like nobody would watch an hour-long episode but they'll watch six 10-minute clips on my youtube yes <laughs> yep <laughs> Oh, that, exactly it, that to right. me is like it's just so fascinating now when you are looking at the data and you're creating content yourself i'm interested how much do you let the data sway your editorial calendar or are you going out there like i got something to say i'm gonna say it like data's cool but i'm, <laughs> I'm marching ahead or are you making those adjustments you know pretty frequently i do slight adjustments so mm. i do look at it like the number one thing i look at almost i look at almost nothing except one thing which is retention rate that is like my number one thing with short form content. It's got to be almost 200%. Like that's what the algorithm wants. It wants people to watch your video twice. <laughs> like as long as it's over a hundred percent, I know it's going to do pretty good. So if it's at like 70%, I go and analyze where did I fall off? Where did I stumble words that do this, but it's light tweaking. I don't let the, I still want to put ideas out there that I want to put out there. I let it shape the content style, not the idea. Yeah. That's huge. That's like little things. I'm, I'm the same with you. Uh, we, exact same thing. I was doing reels and I just did a straight shot like me talking and then I gave it to, a, and that was me editing. Then I gave it to an editor and they bounced the camera in and out and they put mm -hmm. like more engaging captions, like emoji caption things. And suddenly it went from 200 views a video to 10,000 a video just based on, I'm like, oh, we're keeping audience past that. Like at that 10 second mark or whenever they're going to drop, they're still hooked in. But it's, and I like the way you said it, changing the style, but not the content themes or what you want to talk about, because that's where you can kind of lose yourself in this, right? If you're just like, okay, everyone's talking about, well, these days, everyone's talking about Andrew Tate. I need to talk about Andrew Tate. <laughs> <And> like, <laughs> That's a fascinating story. That, well, yeah, no, now I'm going to, now I'm going to eat my own words and talk about Andrew Tate. But what's fascinating about that is that that guy's paying people to make clips of himself. And <laughs> what a, what a, I don't want to call it genius, but like when you look at it, you're like, you got to respect it. You're like, wow, what? Like I would have never thought of, it's not, I don't, it's not a multi-level marketing thing. It's literally just a, it's a affiliate marking of his own clips. Like I don't think anyone's ever done that before because he's got hours of it. So he just kind of like, Hey, if you convert a student, you get a percent of that, but just go wow. take all my clips. But he has, he doesn't even have his own TikTok. It's, it's just, he took over everything by letting other people do it for him. I give the guy credit on that. Like I can separate two things. One, I, I can think he's an asshole and two, think he's a genius simultaneously. And that's percent. kind of where I'm at. Percent. He's insane. <laughs> <laughs> but paying people to make viral clips. Yeah. Wild. Cause I'm like that guy just taking over my feed. I can't even open up any of these apps. And this is kind of part of the content creation thing too, which I've been thinking a lot about this, like having what I'll call like a prickly position. Like you have to have a thought or an opinion that is kind of like pushes some people away or like they kind of makes them angry. And then you want to watch that more. It's such a weird thing. Like, yeah, I don't know. Do you, have you found that to be anything or have been part of strategies with that? People are like, okay, we have to make a, you know, a controversial opinion or maybe not a controversial, but you know, something where it's like, okay, this is, yes. I'm going to get people to disagree with me here and it's going to light up the timeline almost as a strategy. Yeah, I don't go as far as like completely going off the rails to say something insane, but I will frame something a certain way. Mm -hmm. And that's like, I, we just did a video yesterday with Morning Brew. It was about the Nike, uh, just do it slogan. And it, it actually has dark origins. And like, basically origin is the Gary Gilmore was a murderer. And on his like execution chair, he said his final words were, uh, let's do it. And so when that ad, ad agency was coming up with the phrase, they, they heard that and they're like, Ooh, I like that, but let's just change it to just do it. This is actually from the advertisers. It's been proven. And so I framed it as like, 
oh, Nike's disturbing or dark like story that they don't really talk about. So it was it rode the line where it's like, I wasn't lying. This is 100% true. But the comments were like, no way this is true. Like, oh, you can just say anything on the internet. And I was like, it kind of worked. People were very interested. There was a lot of other comments being like, oh, this is awesome. This is fascinating. This is very interesting. But it definitely pushed the boundary of that where I wasn't lying. I wasn't deceiving anybody, but I just kind of pushed it enough to get people a little riled up. Yeah, that's interesting, right? Like to do that and, and kind of think about not going off the deep end and saying something just like to with the point of rallying people up, but also knowing, yeah, hey, this really happened and it's interesting and like I'm reporting on it, you know, or this is a valid concern or thought or whatever. And then seeing the internet go nuts, right? You know what I mean? Like, I think uh, that's, and this will be like <laughs> my probably my last question to you, but I'm dealing with the haters. Uh, do you have any rules? Because I have rules, but I'm very interested to know how you deal with like trolls, asshats on the internet. <laughs> if you have a playbook or the way you deal with it, because I know that's a fear of a lot of people before they, you know, jumping in, they're, they're kind of worried about that. Yeah, I think one thing I will say is understanding your own vulnerabilities, understanding who you are. People will find that weakness inside of you and they will dig the needle in. You know, if you if you got a little bit more weight on you like I do, they're going to come after that. If if you your nose is crooked, they're going to come after that. Accepting who you are and uh, without being cliche, like loving yourself, understanding that. And when the people try and come after you, you just kind of laugh it off. Like nothing. I'm a big fan of, I read every day, Daily Stoic with Ryan Holiday, all those like not letting the world outside of that affect me. Again, there's going to be some comments where they're just going to be so well written. You're like, oh, man, they got me on that one. But you just kind of <laughs> got to accept it and roll off. But it's just how it is. I just kind of look at it that way where it's like these aren't real people. They're, you know, they're, they're never going to say this to your face. And if they do, then welcome it all day long. But you're never going to hear that when you go to a restaurant and maybe a fan wants to take a photo or something like you're just that's the side that I try and keep in mind of like you're not going to get this awful hate like this isn't real. Someone had a bad day. Someone did this, whatever. They're not they're not actually mad at you. They just want to rally you up. So I just kind of brush it off. I just try and tell myself, don't worry about it. I try and like take them. I screenshot them and I'll, I'll play with myself. I was someone said like, oh, this guy looks like he still smells after he take a shower. So I took a screenshot of that and I was working out and I was like dying, sweating. And so I took that on my Instagram story and put the actual little like the the comment on there to run a joke. It's funny. I was like, oh man, I'm sweaty and I smell bad. Like, let's just play into this kid. So you just kind of, it's all lighthearted fun. Yeah. Like they, they don't, they're not going to hurt. You're not death threats, whatever. Yeah. I'm with you, man. I have a couple rules. One is if you're an egghead profile, I'm not responding to you. Or Absolutely. if you're like, Gary five six seven four one two three four seven, and you have like an NFT as your photo. I'm not responding to you. If you give valid like criticism, cool. But to your point, there are other people they come on, and it's easy to get caught up in like the two people who leave a comment who like they are real people and they leave some comment. But what I realize now is like one, the internet's not real. I always like it's not like. I'm always like, this isn't real. There's nobody would act like this in real life. To your point, two, a lot of times people are just projecting, like they're just, you know, <laughs> mad about whatever. And it's like, all right, man, you had to take it out on my little comment section, like go bananas, my guy. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> and without getting like not touching politics here at all, I don't want to go that. But it's when people are like, oh, this country is so divided. I'm like, man, my everyday. If I drop a can in the grocery store, someone picks it up and hands it to me and with a smile and says, thank you, like whatever. Like you, we have such good interactions most days. I'm like, I just the Internet is not real. Like our real life and our the daily interactions with humans. It's just so many good people out there. There's so many good people versus what we see online. 
Yeah. And to wrap this up, I'll give the listener one tip here. Go and mute certain accounts and words and any news stations and anything like that, any Mm -hmm. political stuff, and it'll make your life a lot better on social media because... And that includes muting your uncle who, you know, quote unquote, sees through the media or whatever on uh, <laughs> whoever it may be, right? My uncle, I had to mute him, but- hey, I've got one of those too. I've got one of those yeah. too. <laughs> It'll make life on the internet a lot better. Blake, thanks, man, for coming on. For anyone who wants to follow you, connect with you online, where should they head to? Yeah, I think I'm uh, the Blake Gidger on every social. Type that in. I'll be right there. Big blue uh, icon and uh, I'll have Morning Brew on my account. So you'll know what's me. Beautiful. And I will put a link to those in the show notes page as well. Blake, man, thanks again for coming on the show. I appreciate it. No, thank you so much. All right, y'all. That's it for this episode. As always, I'm your host, Jordan Shelton. I'll catch you next time. 